Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. Okay, so here we are in our very first December episode, and as such, I thought it would be kind of fun in this first episode to follow an old Victorian tradition and tell you a dark and spooky horror story from the Bible. Maybe the darkest story in the Old Testament and in the Bible. And this story is actually labeled as the text of terror, so truly take that with a grain of salt. And I will say, so this episode, as I was writing it, got very dark, and I did not anticipate what this story would be, so I do have to say, so uh, this episode deals with some potentially triggering topics, including sexual assaults, but obviously, I am not going to get into any details, like, at all about that, and I make the briefest of mentions about it, but do know that this is briefly mentioned. And as such, I also wanted to give a warning about this beforehand. And again, y'all, this story, it's dark. Um, It's in the vein of Elisha and the three bears, but it's definitely a bit more depressing. And you may ask, how can it get more depressing than 42 kids killed by she-bears for calling a prophet bald? But buckle in. Um, It's a story of betrayal. It's a story of brutality. And it features a woman who's unnamed in this story, but could rightfully be called the Black Dahlia of the Old Testament. And if you know anything about the Black Dahlia story and what happens to her, you know where we're going with this story. And she's a woman who we will find has every right to haunt the living daylights out of her. First, poor excuse for a husband. Second, the old man featured in the story. Third, the group of men that we're going to be talking about. And fourth, maybe all of the men in all the world because this poor thing went through it. So today's bleep is the Levite's concubine. Our story today starts with these words. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. Which means that the 12 tribes of Israel, which you should be a pro at at this point, but if you're not, or if this is your first episode, remember we're talking about Jacob, also known as Israel, who had 12 kids, and those 12 kids became the 12 tribes of Israel. And these tribes existed independently of each other with absolutely no king unifying them in the time period that we're talking about. Again, the time before kings. And you can imagine the infighting and the feelings about each other that this breeding ground of chaos would create. And it's in this setting that our particularly, I hate that word, you know I mess that word up every time, particularly unfortunate story occurs. So yes, it's in these days, no king in Israel, which would be around the early 14th century BCE, and our story opens with a Levite who, of the tribe of Levi, and someone who we mentioned in the Good Samaritan episode, remember all of the people of the temple. And we have this Levite walking along the path with his concubine, who was, interestingly enough, born in the city of Bethlehem. You're going to find that many of our stories this month deal with Bethlehem just for the Christmas season. Um, And there's three things to clarify here. First, Bethlehem is super close to Jerusalem, about six miles close, and it's just south of the city. And it's located within the controversial, especially now, West Bank. 
Uh, two, the tribe of Levi. We talked about them, the tribe of Levi. They had zero land dedicated to them, unlike all the other tribes of Israel. And as I dug into this, um, one source put it beautifully. It said, they had the Lord as their land and their inheritance. And since they were servants of the temple, they didn't really need their own land because they could serve in all of the tribes. And at first, I guess this may have been okay, but it is now of a sore, is a sore point for the Levites since it meant that they were strangers wherever they belonged to. So they, were, they had no land. They felt like they belonged nowhere. And third thing we need to clarify at the beginning of the story is concubine. The word concubine, okay. This term is a bit nuanced. It could mean wife, it could mean partner, and it could mean sexual partner. It's truly all how you interpret it. In this story, it's most likely applied as wife slash partner. So don't think when you hear concubine, because the story, again, is called the Levite's concubine. Think partner. So now that we've cleared all that up, let's continue our story. We have the Levite and his concubine walking along the road. And in the very next verse, the Bible, always going straight to the point, says that this unnamed concubine play concubine played the whore against him and went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there for four months. Bethlehem, Judah is just another name for Bethlehem tacked on to where it's located in the province. Now, you heard the term played the whore against him. And if you think that this means what you think it means, I'm here to say you are wrong, friends. Uh, in this story specifically, she, in fact, did not have relations with anyone else. She was not an adulterous woman. And in fact, in Greek translations, it literally means that they just had an argument and that she became angry with him and left. So... She played the whore, meaning she got angry, and she left and went to her father's house. Kind of a common occurrence today. And listen, this interpretation is actually much more accepted in modern English translations of this story, uh, mainly since the story tells us she went to her dad's house rather than the house of a male lover. That's clear. If she would have truly played the whore as we think it, you would probably go to your lover's house. Instead, she went to her dad's. Um, and the act of leaving one's husband in the Bible is actually really unusual. And there's very harsh language that's used to describe it. Allah playing the whore. And this harsh language could just result from the fact that it was viewed very, very negatively. God absolutely forbid a woman in the Bible to have her own opinion and make her own choices. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, continuing our story, and I promise I will not interrupt as much as I am right now, but continuing our story, we have the Levite, we have the concubine walking down the road, we have the Levite and the concubine arguing, and the concubine going away back to Bethlehem to her father's house. And the Levite man, also unnamed, then travels back to Bethlehem to retrieve his concubine a la partner. And... When he does so, actually, everything is pretty amicable. The father welcomed him, and for five days they stayed with the concubine's father, eating, drinking, sharing bread and wine, having all the fun. And, in fact, the concubine's father multiple times was able to convince them to stay. And maybe he had a sense of foreboding, I would assume, of what was to come to pass to his precious daughter. I don't know. But what is known is that on the fifth day, the Levite and the concubine departed. 
one of whom would never come back again. So as the Levite and the concubine were traveling down the road back to the town of Gibeah, or maybe Gibeah, um, I couldn't find a good translation for this, so we're just going to roll with Gibeah, just north of Jerusalem, not far from her family, but um, a town that belonged to actually the tribe of Benjamin, again, one of the sons of Israel and important part of this story. They arrive in the town. And listen, they wanted to stay in the town square where everything was happening, everything was going on, restaurants, all the fun things were happening in the square. But unfortunately, in this town, the Levites were not welcome, specifically because this was a Benjamite city. And for some reason, the Benjamites and the Levites did not get along. And so therefore, they were not very welcome. And so they couldn't find a room. But an old man living in the town, also a Levite, which helped, understood their situation, takes them into his home for the night, and keeps them on the outskirts of the city. And it's here, in the home of the innkeeper, our true night of terror begins. As they were sitting around a table, making their hearts merry and bright, which is nearly a direct quote from the Bible, hello Christmas, there came a knock on the door and shouts of drunken mockery from outside. And it turns out that certain men of the city, described in the Bible as men of Belial, which when translated literally means men of the devil, Belial being another name of Satan. Uh, These men of Belial surrounded the house containing the Levite and the concubine, and they began pounding on the door, demanding that the old man with whom they were staying Bring out the man, not the woman, who came into the house that they may know him. So we have these men of Belial pounding on the door, screaming into the house, saying to the old man, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him. Now, know him here is most likely a euphemism for something else. And I'm going to let your minds fill in that blank. Cool, thanks. So these disgusting men had seen this traveling man and his concubine were, I guess, infatuated with the man or had dark desires with the man and attempted to commit some truly heinous acts with the Levite. I know I keep saying this, but this is where things get even darker. In that Instead of driving them in a way or trying to find a way out of this in a nonviolent or even violent manner, I don't know, the old man and the Levite offer instead the old man's own daughter and the concubine to these men. Full stop. They said, oh, no, no, you can't have the Levite man. But, you know, if, if you want someone, you can, you can take my daughter and his, his concubine, his wife disgusting. And if you were as shook as me, as I was when I read of this happening, it's not actually super surprising, turns out. Um, A historian uh, wrote about this. His name is Ken Stone. And he wrote, sexual violation of women was considered less shameful than that of men. And at least in the eyes of other men during this time. Wild. Just gross. Whoo, this story. And unfortunately... So these disgusting human beings, being men of Belial, couldn't be driven away. And even more unfortunately, the decision was made to force one of the women, only the concubine, 
out to the men as a form of a peace offering and a form of a sacrifice, I guess. So they did just that. The concubine was forcibly taken outside and abused throughout the night, with the men finally releasing her at the break of dawn. And in the small light of morning, the woman, bruised and bloodied, crawled to the doorstep where the Bible tells us she collapsed and she died. The Levite, which the Bible calls her Lord in the text, so like the Lord of the house, L-O-R-D in the text, gross, had actually been able to freaking fall asleep during this whole ordeal overnight since the Bible tells us he rose up in the morning, opened the doors of the house, and went to go on his way. Of course, he discovered the lifeless body of his concubine on the step with her hands just on the threshold of the door as if reaching for hope, reaching for salvation. The Levite didn't realize she was dead at first and thinking, I don't know, that nothing happened the night before, says to the lifeless body, up and let us be going. Of course, she didn't answer. She couldn't answer. And I'm not sure how to tell this next part of the story in any way that does this woman justice, so I'm going to read it to you directly from the text. It says, Then the man took her up on an ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. And when he was come into his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine and divided her together with her bones into twelve pieces and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. He literally took her lifeless corpse and in agony maybe, maybe in remorse, maybe in guilt, maybe in wanting to prove something, maybe being used as an allegorical trope. I don't know, but he chopped her up into 12 pieces and went further, sending those pieces to the 12 tribes of Israel, demanding justice and demanding revenge. Maybe the first freaking good thing he does in this story. This gruesome incident leads to a gathering of the Israelite tribes, not Benjamin, who confront the tribe of Benjamin, about the atrocity. Remember, the city where they belonged was a Benjamite city. This happened to a Levite, and there was bad beef. As a result of his action, the Israelites finally unified. They gathered at Mitzpah, which was a traditional site of assembly in Gilead, to the northeast of Jerusalem, and they listened to the Levite story. He tells them everything that happened. He tells them why he sent the body of his concubine to them, and they plan a response a fight against the Benjaminites to get justice on these disgusting and these vile and these gross disgraces of humans, which may be truly the only positive part of the story is that they're trying to get vengeance. Following this, a cycle of violence then ensues, and in subsequent chapters of Judges uh, results in the slaughter of many Benjamite men, many Benjamite women, and children. And it also included the slaughter of most of the inhabitants of the city of Gibeah, or Gibeah, including, I'm assuming, these cake farts in form of humans. And it resulted in the kidnapping of young Benjamite women at Shiloh. So eventually, after all the fighting subsided, the tribe of Benjamin is nearly completely erased. 
And as we wrap this truly chilling tale, I typically end a story like this with, and here's what this represents, and here's the lesson the Bible is trying to teach us, or here's something positive. But no, 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 I, I, in this horrendous tale from the Old Testament, I don't think any of these people are supposed to be painted in a positive light other than, honestly, the freaking unnamed concubine who was the true victim in all of this. This story was literally plopped into Judges to illustrate the social and the religious chaos that was happening at the time that then preceded the institution of Israelite kingship. So they needed a king. Here's something chaotic that happened. Here's why they needed a king. And again, that began with Saul. And with that, in true Victorian Christmas fashion, as I wrap this horrendous and dark story, we kick off this beautiful holiday season. Ha! I promise the next stories are much brighter and much happier than this story. Truly, we're doing the Tower of Babel on Friday. We're going to cover David and his story on next Monday. They get brighter people. But this is the wild world of the Bible, and I told you that it's called bad bleeps for a reason. And now you maybe have a particularly gruesome and grisly tale to tell your friends. I mean, like, did you know the Bible has something like this? But you also have a tale to whisper in the dark on a cold December night. A tale of murder, a tale of vengeance, a tale of betrayal, and a tale of bodies. The tale of our bad bleep, the Levite's concubine. I really hope that you enjoyed question mark today's episode, and I again, promise the next episodes are going to be as light and fluffy as possible. So whew, please feel free to get in touch with me and share your thoughts, maybe about this story, about the pod. Share your church stories or questions at badbleepsofthebible at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at badbleepsofthebible. And sources for today's story can be found in our show notes. And please, please rate, review, subscribe. Catch you next time. Um, again, we're covering this Tower of Babel, a beautiful, fun little story. Um, and truly, watch out for disgusting humans. I have nothing else to say. Bye. <laughs>